It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today for the Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is July 21st. 2021 and on today's show we will break down my power rankings for the coaches in the big 12 conference in football heading into the 2021 season i've ranked them 10 through 1 we'll go through those today uh sorry guys i've not been around very much the nationals uh, have been keeping me busy as a serious xm as we are in the throes of uh it's talking season but also it's media days so i've been working various media days for Sirius XM, and with that, with the Nationals going on Locked On Nationals, uh, I decided to kind of throttle back a little bit with the Big 12 stuff. In terms of, you know, the middle of July, not a ton to talk about there, but now we're kind of heading towards football season. You're about a month away, so we can uh, we can ramp up now, and we're going to go back to roughly five days a week. We definitely will be five days a week once we hit July. A lot of fun stuff coming your all's way. We're going to have conference crossovers uh, with Candace Cooper and with Chris Gordy and with Ben Stevens. We'll be crossing over with all those folks, uh, folks from Pac-12 as well. Uh, we'll be hitting on all the conference, you know, what to know from those teams. Because uh, I think sometimes we're in our own little bubbles, especially the Southeastern Conference. And, the, and I think the Big 12 can get like this too. But we're so in our own bubble of our own conference and kind of what we're all thinking about. It's nice to check in with those other teams and kind of get a feel uh, for what we're going to see from those other teams, those other conferences. So we'll be doing those coming up here soon. More lists. Uh, power ranking the quarterbacks will be coming up. Uh, we'll power rank some defenses as well. We'll have a whole lot of stuff uh, coming your all's way here in the next few weeks on the Locked On Big 12 podcast as we get, we get ready for the football season. It's full steam ahead now. All right, as I said, we're going to power rank the coaches today. But first, got to give a couple quick shout-outs. Chris Middleton and P.J. Tucker, representing the Big 12 Conference for the Milwaukee Bucks, are both now NBA champions. Chris Middleton went to Texas A&M. You might be saying, Josh, that is a, uh, that's an SEC school. Yes, but when Chris Middleton was there, he played when it was the Big 12. So he is a Big 12 alum. And also, P.J. Tucker of Texas uh, is also an NBA champion as well. So the... Milwaukee Bucks had those two guys in. The Milwaukee Bucks are now NBA champions. Uh, if you guys didn't watch, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the most unstoppable force since Shaquille O'Neal, which was really impressive to watch. But um, yeah, so congrats to those two guys on the uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to get some Big 12 players no matter what winning rings. I know it was Javon Carter and also Abdul Nader on the other side uh, were Big 12 alums. But it was nice to have those two guys, especially there are two more Prominently featured guys. Chris Middleton was awesome. P.J. Tucker was doing his thing in the series. So shout out to those two guys. All right, power rankings of my, uh, the coaches' power rankings. So the way I did this, and I was trying to think about it, was really just by where they sit as a coach right now in the conference. Um, where they're positioned, yeah, kind of like where they're positioned, A, as a coach, and B, in the conference, where they kind of stack up. And that's going to decide where everybody is. So priority is being given to the guys who have been around here for a while. We'll work. Uh, we'll work one to ten. So we'll go down the list. All right. So the top tier 
is obviously Lincoln Riley. And Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, is is the bell of the ball when it comes to the Big 12. He is the coach that everybody looks – I mean, Matt Campbell's gotten a lot of traction, but still, uh, Lincoln Riley is the guy who's more consistently always getting looked at. And it's just crazy to think that he is only 37 years old still, right? It's very young. Uh, it's extremely young in coaching years. So Lincoln Riley at 37 years old – uh, you know, it's once again, it's just it's just rare to have a guy at the peak of his powers that young. In five, he's gonna be in his fifth season. Four seasons, he's 45 and eight at Oklahoma, and he's won accolades such as all four of them being Big 12 championships. Uh, he has won a New Year's Six Bowl, the Cotton Bowl last year. Problem is, he's one in three in New Year's Six slash playoff games. Um, he peak coach of the year in the in the conference back in 2018. Uh, and he won the Broyles Award also in 2015 for the top assistant. So that's obviously something to look at uh, there. But look, his big, you know, for me, it, it comes down to this. Um, the teams win a shitload, uh, for lack of a better word. And look at the players he's putting in the NFL. Right now, Lincoln Riley has placed three starting quarterbacks, two number one overall picks, two Heisman winners, and a guy who finished second. And so you look at what he's developing, what he's putting out there, the fact that that's also a recruiting tool, all they've got right now are just big-time prospects signing left and right, and we've seen it. I mean, they've got Spencer Rattler, obviously, right now, who's projecting to be, you know, I think is going to end up being the number one pick. I mean, you think he's going to have a good season. Quarterbacks typically do, and a guy of his skill set and uh, stature, and not physically, but just kind of stature in terms of, you know, what we saw, the strides he made uh, last year. Definitely a guy that we think is going to be up there again. So he might have a chance, depending on how things go with Jalen Hurts, he might have four starting quarterbacks. Uh, Kyler Murray and, and Baker Mayfield are pretty entrenched as starters. So buying, barring something crazy, those two guys will continue to be starting quarterbacks. But um, yeah, I mean, he's got a chance at another, another starting quarterback in the NFL uh, four, and that would be in five seasons of coaching. He would be sending four guys and then three, I mean, you know, potentially three of them could be number one picks. He's not gotten over the college football playoff hump, but nobody else in this conference has. So in terms of the conference itself, you know, you can't hold that against really anybody in here. Great call with Alex Grinch as the uh, as the defensive coordinator there. That defense has been making big strides, and they, they could be, in, well, not their calling card, but it could be uh, really a strength of this Oklahoma team. I feel like with the offense is always going to be a strength, but in moments where the, the offense might not be clicking, I expect to see flashes where Oklahoma's defense is the story in some of the games. You know, almost in a sense, the offense is allowed to struggle. Obviously, it's not something they want, but they can pick them up in certain spots, and that's what you want, a, a group that is complimentary, is an asset to your team. And Lincoln Riley's done a good job staffing uh, accordingly, staffing accordingly, and also uh, recruiting in, in, in the transfer portal as well accordingly to build that team. So, yeah, uh, definitely have to give him that number one spot. And uh, it's a huge season for him upcoming. You know, I don't really know what's going to happen if things don't go well for them. And what I mean is they lose like two games, right? Or to miss, if they miss the college football playoff, it would be a disappointing uh, season. If they make the championship and look good and, and lose a close game, I think you can still call it a success. Obviously, I know the fans are thinking boom or bust, but look, uh, you haven't won a playoff game yet. So, you know, I know some teams have taken the leap from not winning one at all 
to go and winning the whole thing, i.e. LSU, right? That's kind of uh, a team that, that's done that. So, you know, we've seen it before. And I know Oklahoma has got ideas of being that team. And look, it's structured much like that team too, right? Great offense um, and really st- and a strong defense, right? LSU's defense was not elite that season, but it was strong. So if you're going to have prolific offense and a, and a good enough defense, you're going to be set and good to go. We'll see what Oklahoma can do this year. But at Lincoln Riley, no doubt, is number one on the power rankings. All right, quick break here coming up, and we'll get to the rest of the rankings. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the best place to find all the odds, scores, news, lines, whatever it is you want in the sports gaming realm They've got it. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code Locked On when you sign up. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. That's right, a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit 100 bucks, they give you an extra 50 to play with today at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, so number two on the list is Matt Campbell. This one, I think, is just the consensus. And look, you know, this is not a this is not a barometer of who's just like won more games. If we're doing that, uh, then Mike Gundy and uh, you know Mike Gundy would be number one because he's won the most games in the Big Twelve Conference. And then you know you put uh, uh, you would end up putting um, Gary Patterson at number two because of the number number of games that he's won in the Big Twelve Conference. So that's not really how we're shaping this. Um, but Matt Campbell at Iowa State, he's 35 and 28 in, in his sixth season at ISU. It's his 10th season overall. And Matt Campbell, uh, you know, in, in totality is 70 and 43 as a head coach, uh, came from Toledo and was the Matt coach of the year there. Uh, he's a three time Big 12 coach of the year, too. So Matt Campbell continues to impress four straight bowl appearances for Iowa State that's never been done. In Ames, Iowa. So he's, you know, he's making history there. Uh, first New Year's Six Bowl appearance. They earned it last year with that win. I know there's some there's some discrepancy about who should be in that New Year's Six game, but Iowa State was in it and they got the win, uh, albeit over a shorthanded Oregon, but they uh, or shorthanded, but uh, you know, a, a bridged season Oregon, uh, not a great Oregon team. They ended up winning the Pac-12, but they get the win anyway. As I mentioned, three-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, a historic season at Iowa State. You know, usually what you experience is cyclical, right? Teams like that, schools like that typically have to reload. Your TCUs, your Baylors, right? Even your Texases to some extent uh, in this Big 12 Conference, we see these teams go in surge. And that's what I love about the Big 12 Conference, the fact that Iowa State is a top 10 team in number two. Texas is in the area, right? Oklahoma State is in the area. But the fact that the back, the middle back teams have made pushes, your Baylors, a few years ago, your West Virginias, right? Uh, you know, a few years ago, also your uh, Baylors, TCUs, West Virginias, uh, you know, Kansas State can make a push. They've been, uh, you know, in contention for Big 12 championships in the last decade or so, right? Last couple decades, they've been right there. So the fact that you can surge at all of these schools 
is what makes this conference so special. Now, it's great, but those teams usually experience some form of attrition. This group in particular for Matt Campbell is, is not experiencing that. And once again, I've talked at length on this show. I've been accused of trying to uh, send Matt Campbell elsewhere, and I apologize uh, for doing that. As of, as of right now, he's staying just in a big, fat extension. So look, as long as he's there, you know, I think it's going to be a good group. Now, they might have it, you know, a little bit of uh, some attrition will be expected next year. But the fact that he had a historic season last year, not, and I know it's only 9-3, and three, but still, um, you know, that's counting their championship game and a bowl game. They really should have ended up playing. If they played a normal 13, uh, 14 game season for them, it would have been a 14 game season, right? If they were actually in the championship game, plus the regular 12, plus their bowl game, you know, that team probably would have ended up being uh, 11 and three or, or, you know, kind of in that range, right? So they would have had a 10 plus win season. And the fact that they're back and better than they were last year, because they're basically returning just about everybody except for Jaquan Bailey, that shows you that he has created a group that can play together. You know, it's almost like they kind of built their own uh, Wisconsin there, you know, if, if you will. It's kind of, um, you know, the, the fact that they've got these groups that stay and they're there. And I think that's what he wants to continue to build. I mean, look, eight and five, eight and five, seven and six, nine and three. That's what Matt Campbell has done. Uh, so they are clearly on an upwards trajectory. And Matt Campbell is such a big reason why. Obviously, they're, you know, he's more known. Um, for as an offensive coach, right? But uh, for them, also their defense too, right? The fact that their defense is, has been pretty revolutionary, um, and the fact that John Hickok has created the defense that everybody you know wants to replicate, right? So they've built a, a good staff, they've built a really good team, a program that looks like it could last, and they've done it all in Ames, Iowa. So Matt Campbell definitely has to be number two. Which now brings us to number three, and this is where things begin to get a bit more difficult, um, which is funny because I've got Mike Gundy at number three. And what's interesting about this is that, you know, last year I was pretty critical of him, actually. I expressed the idea that maybe they make a move just because, you know, he's done so well there. But last year, you know, that that's a big year for them with all the, obviously I know COVID too really affected the season, but they had really high expectations and they, they did not meet them last year. And so... You know, those, that's kind of your big year and, and you don't hit the mark there. Um, that's, you know, I think, sure, it's, it's fair to ask some questions. Not pull the trigger necessarily, but ask some questions. And I wasn't the only person saying that. But he's 137 and 67 uh, and enters his 17th year at Oklahoma State. 15 consecutive winning seasons. After three straight 10-win seasons, they have had 23 wins in the last three years. So not quite that pace. Uh, he's a consistent winner at a place like Oklahoma State, and they are a good program that recruits pretty well. But you know, it's not like a uh, you know, it's not one of these factory type uh, you know teams. You know, the teams like Alabama or uh, Texas or Oklahoma, right? Not kind of those big, big places. One of the not smaller, but still you know, kind of a non-traditional uh, power, non-traditional place. I guess you could say, kind of like Ames, Iowa. You know, it's not a very traditional place. Stillwater's not that traditional in, in terms of uh, you know a place that you would market fully, but Last year, once again, it, it could have gone a lot better for them. I actually do think they have a bounce back this year. And the reason why I have him at three is just because of that consistency. Like year in, year out, you know you can expect a Mike Gundy team to be very good. They've got That's why they've got 15 consecutive winning seasons. So I think the year in and year out uh, basis kind of trumps the fact that the floor might not be as high as 
some Oklahoma State fans would like it to be. So that's why I've got Mike Gundy at number three. Gary Patterson, I've got at number four. This is where I, it got a bit more challenging for me because uh, he's won 78 and 74 and entering, I believe, a 20th whole season at TCU and, um, you know, all-time great coach. Obviously, they're going to build a statue of him at some point there at TCU. But look, he is he's facing a situation where uh, the last three years, they're 18 and 17. So they've been pretty average. And uh, their identity, it feels like, the defensive identity might be whittling away just a little bit, right? Uh, this team is a team that usually goes uh, in cycles, at least in the Big 12. They were 7, 6, then 4, and 8, then 12 and 1, 11 and 2, then 6 and 7, then 11 and 3, then 7 and 6, 5 and 7, 6 and 4. So kind of go in cycles, but I mean, in terms of accomplishments, right? Like, you know, this is a guy that's, he's got eight, 10 win seasons. He's been the coach of the year in three different conferences. He's actually been there at TCU since they were in four uh, different conferences when they were in the Western Athletic Conference. He was there when they were in the CUSA and in the Mountain West, and then TC, uh, you know, then they went to the Big 12. So had success everywhere. And that pedigree, that knowledge still matters to me. 61, it might be getting up there. It might, you know, it's it's kind of trending in a certain direction. We'll see if he can bring it back a little bit. You know, not not like one, um, you know, one bad five and seven season is is condemning, but seven and six, five and seven, six and four. TCU wants to trend in a better direction. They usually do, but still, he's done a tremendous job there. And I think four is kind of the right spot for them. And I know their high points might be higher than Oklahoma State's, especially in recent memory, you know, with them competing for a playoff spot. Well, well, you know, Oklahoma State did get close to a BCS championship. The Brandon Whedon team uh, were playing for, at least the Brandon Whedon team did. But, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of the consistency of Gundy and him being a bit younger is why I gave him the edge over Patterson. And Patterson's just kind of getting more of a respect factor uh, and does have a lot to prove this year. All right, number five, Neil Brown at West Virginia. He has 11-11 in year number three. 46 and 27 overall as a coach. And the reason why he's number five is because what he's proven to the conference is solid. And uh, that was a disaster of a roster when he picked it up. Disaster. They, they went five and seven, which I think was actually better than some people thought they would go in his first year. Then six and four. That's actually market, like that is market improvement. And if you go back to last year, West Virginia, um, they should have been better than they were. I thought that defense was really strong last year. I thought they should have won a couple games that they uh, they lost. I think the uh, I think about that Texas game. They probably should have won that game. I think about their game against um, their game against Texas Tech, where they really should have won that game and just kind of were flat in the second half. So they had some moments where last year this thing could have flipped and really they could have been a team that was you know I don't know uh, they're six and four so maybe seven and three even even close to eight and two but. You know, they they should have beaten uh, Texas Tech. They probably should have gotten Texas, and they had some other ones too. But once again, last year their bowl wins had a lot of character, right? Uh, they lost to the opponent and then get Army in to play the bowl game in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, really struggle on offense, but they're able to switch quarterbacks in the middle of the game and win the game. So I think it got them into the offseason on the right note. But I just think he's done a great job building, and I think – this is a huge year for them, year three, but the offensive line's going to, you know, if they can do well and, and help Jared Day come along and they can get some guys on the outside who can make some more plays, uh, I think they'll be in good shape on offense and kind of hope the offense might progress a bit where the defense might take a step back just because 
Uh, they did lose Tyke Smith and they did lose Tony Field. So it's a lot to replace there. But I think Neil Brown definitely deserves to be number five. At six, I've got Sark just because we haven't seen anything yet in the conference, right? Um, and he has not been head coach in six years. So he's 46 and 35 during his time at Washington USC. We got a lot of confidence in him as a head coach uh, to turn the things around at Texas, but obviously we haven't seen it yet. So, you know, he presides over one, he presided over one of the best offenses uh, in the country last year and of all time last year. And, you know, you're already seeing the good efforts on the recruiting trail, but he's got a lot to prove, right? It's a difficult place to go. And we'll see what the new Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach looks like uh, compared to the guy that we saw six years ago. Not, I'm not saying the actual person, you know, because obviously he had his personal battles and it appears he has cleaned up things on that front. But um, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what Steve Sarkeesian does at Texas this year. And I can't put him higher than six because all the other guys I've, I've ahead of them all have proven track records within the conference that I look at. Um, and I think just, you know, generally speaking, like as coaches too, you could give Stark the edge over Neil Brown, but I think that one's close, right? And Gary Patterson's got way too much experience. Now, by the opposite side, I've got Lance Leipold next, but the reason I've got Lance Leipold next is because what he did, you know, what he did at um, what he did at Buffalo was staggering, and at Wisconsin Whitewater, and for him now to take the Kansas job, like it's going to be hard for us to honestly assess them in the in the beginning. You know, if just because they might have the worst record does not make him the worst coach in the league, right? That, that those those two things uh, can be separate, and sometimes it can be together, right? The worst coach can have the worst team. But sometimes the worst coach does not necessarily have, or the not the worst coach uh, might have the actual worst team. So you know, during his time at Buffalo, man, it was, it was tough when he started off there, five and seven, two and ten. But then from then on, six and six, ten and four, eight and five, and six and one last year. He's one hundred and forty-six and thirty-nine overall during his coaching career. Um, he's won six Division three championships, and we have talked about this at length at different times in this podcast. But the ability for him to kind of mold his team, what they do to the personnel. At a place like Kansas, that is crucial. Your ability to kind of uh, make the team, you know, play to basically the roster's strengths. And I think he can definitely do that. I, I think that's something that um, that he is going to take some time to, but I think he can excel at that. And I don't know what the, the win-loss results end up being, but I think he can maximize what he's got on the roster not just right now, but also down the road too. And I think he's shown that. And that's why I'm going to put him there because I think just people really do trust him as a head coach. Chris Kleiman's next at eight. You know, I, th- I feel like he should have been higher, uh, but it's it's weird because, you know, at Kansas State for Chris Kleiman, he's got, besides beating Oklahoma twice, there's not a lot there that you kind of look at. And they, they got some some unlucky kind of breaks last year. Uh, but you know now we go into, into year three for him, and uh, you know eight and five first year, four and six the second year, right? And so for them, they just had a lot of turnover in the roster. Curious to see what this team looks like and what he does moving forward. I definitely think um, he's got his hands full, but he's got a, a really good situation with Skylar Thompson coming back, right? Skylar Thompson's actually been there like double, almost triple the time, right? This is his third year. Uh, this is Leipold. Third year. This is Kleiman's third year, and this is uh, the seventh year that that we have for Skylar Thompson. So I mean, it's a guy that um, you know he's been able to rely on, and, and I want to see what they're able to do. You know, obviously Chris Kleiman had so much success at the uh, FCS level 
you know, and got off to a great start at Kansas State with the eight and five season, but some regression there. And we'll see if you could chalk it up to COVID or, or what. But, uh, you know, I feel like Lance Leipold kind of has that lower tier experience, right? You know, I know it's D3 and, um, and, and Kleinman was at Division One AA, but still, I kind of equate those as even. And I just thought the job that uh, Lance Leipold did at Buffalo kind of puts him over the edge there. Matt Wells is number nine. He is on the hot seat. Things have not really gone well for Matt Wells. They've been dicey to say the best uh, during his time at Texas Tech. And he is now entering his third season, eight and 14 after two years, obviously not where they want to be, but overall he's 52 and 48, 44 and 34 during his years at Utah State. So um, he's a guy who's, you know, two-time coach of the year in the Mountain West and uh, you know, they won the Mountain West once, but this is a Texas Tech team that needs to make some strides in a big way. And look, they bring in Sonny Cumbie. They bring in Tyler Shuck, right? So they've got a, a great chance here uh, to get that offense rolling. Texas Tech defense, you never really know what you're going to get. That, that's going to be a sh- uh, kind of a, a question for me uh, is what we see there with the defense. You know, will the offense, though, be kind of that run and gun or that air raid that we're kind of used to seeing? And, and we know that Sonny Cumbie played for Mike Leach at Texas Tech, and so he's a disciple of that air raid. We'll see what he can do there. But Matt Wells definitely on the hot seat. And then Dave Aranda 10, just because he's really short on head coaching experience, right? This is his first head coaching job. Um, and last year went really poorly, but, and he made some changes, you know, he obviously fires offensive coordinator and, and made a change there. Um, but yeah, I, I think for him, you know, the first season that he had at Baylor two and seven, right. During a COVID year, you know, you can make some excuses for it, but I think he's still figuring out who he is as a head coach. I think that's part of what's happening for Dave Aranda right now is that he's figuring out who he is as a head coach. So I, that's why I have to put him number 10, but obviously, uh, you know, a place to go. And look, I don't think, I don't necessarily think there's many bad coaches like Utah state, you know, when, when Matt Wells was there was really good and he did a good job there. Right. So, you know, we know he's a good coach. Um, do we know if Chris Kleiman's a good coach at the Division One level yet? We don't know. Lance Leipold, we do, I think, know. Neil Brown, I think, has shown that Troy and uh, in spades, you know, now already in, in two quick years with, with the progression that West Virginia has made. And so, you know, there's a bunch of guys on there that we, like, already know are good coaches. There's not many coaches here where you, you're, you know, the, the bottom of the league is lacking and you're just anticipating some turnover. Um, I think the only job that we're going to see become open, I always could be wrong here, but... I think if things don't go well for Texas Tech, that job, yeah, definitely going to come open. Uh, that's 110% going to happen. But, you know, may I mean, if Kansas State, if they fall off a cliff this year, which I don't expect they will, that one could become open. Baylor, I think they gave Dave Aranda, this is almost, you know, kind of like year one for him after last year, right? So, um, you know, that's that's where they're at. I don't expect them to can unless things go, atro- you know, horribly wrong for them. But I think he does get a little bit of time there. Uh, so, you know, there's a bunch of really good coaches in this conference now, you know, especially after Les Miles is gone and no disrespect to Les Miles, but like, I don't think this version in 2021 of Les Miles was a good coach, good recruiter, but I don't think it was a very good coach. They're pretty disorganized as a team when you watch them play. So, yeah, man, there's a lot of strong coaches in this conference and there's only 10 teams, but still, uh, you know, and at least as coordinators, a lot of guys did a good job too, if not as a head coach. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You can follow me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.